All right. Welcome back to another episode of Over Engineered, the podcast where we ask the very important question, what's the absolute best way to do something that doesn't matter a whole lot? Although today is a very special episode. Uh, I am here with my friend, Daniel Colburn. And hey. uh, let's say hi, Daniel. Sorry. Hello. And uh, we've actually rented an Airbnb. Yes. And we are locking ourselves in a room for a few days and trying to knock out a event sourcing package. Yes. Hello. And hopefully, you know, I would say we're trying to answer the question, what is the absolute best way to solve a problem that, that does actually matter uh, quite a bit? Take that, Aaron Francis. Yeah. Um, how are you? I am good. This so, is fun. Yeah. So we're in Baltimore. Uh, I was in Virginia for something. So I came up from Virginia. You came down from Philly. We're just uh, we're in Baltimore. Yeah, I have actually, I live in Philly. I've lived in Philly for a long time, and I have never been to Baltimore before. So this is kind of fun. Yeah. You get to see. Uh, it's like, it's Philly-like, but smaller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got Philly vibes. I like it. Um, We're totally unprepared. Yes. So, yeah, so the plan, let me, let me just table set a little. Do it. So the plan is we are, okay, so Verbs is this event sourcing package that, we've been talking about and writing code on and like uh, talking about again and writing documentation for and planning and building for a long time. And, uh, you know, we, we keep sort of, there's like a big chunk of uh, design that needs to be done that is blocking API design. Yeah. By yeah. API design. Um, System design. Yeah. Um, so there's a big chunk of design that needs to be done that is blocking finishing it and shipping it. And so you're busy. You run a business. I run a business. Um, and we have a hard time like finding time to work on things together. Uh, and we were like, hey, wouldn't it be fun if sometime in September we went to Baltimore and finished this thing so that's what we're doing. So we've got an Airbnb. We went to Safeway. We got a bunch of snacks. We've got a big roll of paper from Staples and Post-it notes. Pretty excited. Yeah. I mean, and even I think like going back a, a while further, right? Like Daniel used to work at InterNACHI. Right. Uh, and at InterNACHI, we implemented together uh, my first like production event sourcing project. Also mine. Um and we used the fantastic Spotsy package, um, which Internet still uses to this day. But I think the two of us both just have a different set of preferences uh, around. Well, it's, it's funny. I was in Philly with my family like a couple years ago. Um, remember this when you like rode your bike over yeah. and we, <laughs> yes. like, we like grabbed coffee? And the only, basically the only conversation we had while I was in Philly was like, Man, we should make an event sourcing package. <laughs> right. If only we could change these 400 different things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we we implemented event sourcing at InterNACHI. You have been implementing event sourcing a ton mm -hmm. at Thunk. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it's always felt like there's an opportunity to approach event sourcing that feels maybe a little bit more... Uh, welcoming welcoming a little more artisanal to use mm -hmm. uh, the Laravel term right and like I think also just has different preferences that that you and I maybe share around how we're gonna do it yeah oh, I mean I think there are 
um, I think event sourcing traditionally has certain values and they are inherited from the world in which it was cooked up. Right. Um, so there's a lot of like DDD language and DDD uh, conventions that are, and wording even, that uh, is sort of the default event sourcing stuff. Right. And for a lot of our people, uh, which is like Laravel uh, artisans, um, that stuff may not, like, I don't know that that's an advantage for them. Sure. Right? So. Well, and it, it introduces a bunch of barriers, right? Yeah. Because. Um, if you don't know what an aggregate root is. Right. Yeah. Right. Some, and, and this is the argument that we'll probably have as we're talking about this. But, like, some of these boundaries that event sourcing has are there for a reason. Mm-hmm. But they also can feel really exhausting. Mm-hmm. Every time you need to add a new feature, you're like updating your aggregate route and you're updating, you're adding a new event and you're updating your projector and you're like mm-hmm. having to touch these 15 different places to add one new feature. Um, and it's because like the boundaries of event sourcing are sort of clearly defined and you get a lot of benefit from that. But I think one of my uh, main points like coming into this is like you can still have those um, you can still have those boundaries and ha- and get the that value while having an API that doesn't like feel like so much busy work every time you need to do something new exactly yeah um, and you know that's my like I love uh, volt folio stuff mm-hmm. I have always, and this is something actually you and I have disagreed on in the past. For example, uh, I hate form requests and you like them. Um, right. But like, I am a big fan of like eliminate files. Right. Eliminate file cre- files from features. Yeah. Where like, okay, when I create a new feature, I don't want to have to update the routes file, the form, a form request, a controller, maybe a model. You know, like that has always felt bad to me. So I've always been very like, how few files can I have Yeah, touching this feature? And with event sourcing, it's kind of the same thing right right now in the, the implementations that we're both working on. It's like, yeah, sure, a lot of files involved <laughs> yeah. in doing this very simple thing. Yeah. Um, so that is the thing that we're addressing. Yeah, and I, I mean, this is, this is like my current side tangent. Like, I think that the composer auto-loading and PSR standards like one class per file have actually done like a huge disservice to I agree. design I because agree. I don't think that I agree that like having to new up a new form request file when you're like validation gets a little bit gnarly and you want like a place to put it or you need to like, yeah, like I like form requests because you know, nine times out of 10 you end up like, Oh, I want like a little like extra protected function so that I can like clean up this code or mm-hmm. like I want to just like memoize something so that I'm not like refetching it from the request and like rehydrating or what you know like all those yep. little things and I think like for me the trade-off there is like the new file is worth it but my my significant preference would be to just have that class defined below the controller because sure. they are a hundred percent coupled yeah why I, does it have to be a new file rust is the the conventions in rust are really good um, but like, you know, Rust is one of those things where like, if you like install a library, yeah, like there is like an entry file that has like all of your classes defined basically, yeah, you know, which yeah. rules. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's nice. That's a nice thing about like working with JavaScript. Yeah. Like that trade-off, people have found a different place, right? It's still, it's not like everything is one in one big file, but I think you see a lot, especially React, like JSX, you'll see maybe three or four um, components that are basically one component, but like for mm-hmm. design reasons, you want to... A couple d- of functions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just like put that all in one file and then like all of that's just in one place. And I would love to see, uh, you know, an opportunity to do that in PHP, but I I agree that it's like, it just feels bad. Yep. Especially when it's just like, I just want to do this one thing. I don't need like three new files. Right. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's start with the list of like, Okay, so let's talk about how where we are sure. with verbs and then like what's left, yeah. what, what we need to get done. Because like, okay, so for the listener, for the user, um, this is the first. So we, I picked Chris up at the, sta- at the train station. We went to Safeway and got snacks. We went and got lunch. We've just gotten to the Airbnb and like plugged all our stuff in. So we are, this is our first like work, work conversation of the trip. Yep. So we're we are setting the stage of like what are we going to get done in the next three days, basically. Do you want me to just like read out the notes that I have from? Oh last yeah, time? you've been writing notes. I've been driving for the last sure. week, so you've been making notes. All right. So this is what I have right now, and I think some of the words here we don't necessarily agree on, but I think what is this list that you're about to say? These are some core principles, okay. and then uh, I have like the the broad strokes of the life cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have some notes about like the major components of the system mm-hmm. and then a few just like questions. Okay. Should I just go down that list to like sure. start from there? Yeah. Okay. So let's start with core principles. Okay. So like minimal overhead. Yes. Right. So it should be possible to add new features with as little boilerplate as possible. As possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not as I think my focus there sure, is work definitely is, work is a loaded term. Yeah, yeah. Boilerplate. Right. It's like, I, I want you to write just the feature code and the 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 package handles everything else. Correct. Right? Um, incremental adoption, I think this is a big one for both of us for different reasons, right? Like it should be A, possible to migrate from other event sourcing packages mm-hmm. incrementally. Mm-hmm. And it should B, be possible to incrementally add verbs to an existing project. Mm-hmm. It's not like you have to shift your whole mindset to event sourcing it's like yeah you can just implement you can some event source features like one small feature and i think part of that is like um it needs to be that like someone who is not doing event sourcing every day can jump into an event sourced feature mm-hmm. and kind of know where they are pretty quickly mm-hmm. right because that's my biggest challenge with the event sourced features at internachi is like when I have to go back over there, it's like it takes a little while to get back into the, oh, right, I need to like think about things this way. Like we want to design the API so that it like really, you know, gently guides you mm-hmm. in the way that like doing what feels right also is doing what is right. So sort of. there's a, another principle I'd like to propose, which is okay. basically in the same way that it's like you can incrementally like add it for a single feature i think it should be relatively easy to pull the ripcord and uh un-event source a feature oh i like that 
Yeah. Um, so I used Easy to write to... in my freelance contracts, I used to have a section called how to fire me. Um, that basically it was just like, here's like our kill fee and like all this other stuff. Right. But, um, I like it. I like putting that on front street where you're like, look, this might not be for you. Here's what it looks like. If it's not yeah. and like j- before you make a decision about like getting involved with this, Here's how much pain you can expect if you decide you change your mind. I love that. And I I love, like, I have things that in my mind I'm like, okay, V3, V4, V5, maybe. And I would love to have, like, a verbs eject mm-hmm. if that was, like, possible, right? Yep. It's just like... It's totally possible. You get rid of all the event stuff and you just, you know, you take the state that you're at right now. Mm-hmm. It, it shouldn't be that hard. Nope. That'd be so cool. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, that would be sick. I just added that easy to remove. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one, this was a word that we went back and forth on. This is what I have right now is hard boundaries. Right. So like, despite really, really good DX, right. We want the developer experience, uh, to be like always perfect. Right. Yes. I think that's, that's like a, maybe that should be, that should probably be in here. It's just like, we want to do whatever gnarly BS mm-hmm. it takes to make consuming verbs glorious. Yeah, right? we, we're, we are the sin eaters. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, if there's shit to be eaten, we will eat it yeah. on your behalf. Yes. And so, like, for me, the hard boundaries is, despite that, I want to ensure that the APIs that we land on still sort of respect the event sourcing boundaries that you we know agree either are good yeah are either true to event sourcing or maybe are just true to the way that we think about event sourcing yep but like you know to people who aren't super familiar with event sourcing it's like there's kind of your event world and then there's like your application world and the the harder of a boundary that you have between those two uh the better a time you're gonna have and so like that I think is the reason for a lot of the design decisions that we're trying to like move away from. Um, you know, that's why there's like all these different files and there's like sort of these strict processes because they're trying to like really enforce those boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I think that that like principle is good. And I think that there's a way to like meet that principle with a, with a, with a different approach to the API design. Yeah. Well, and like you and I have both made design mistakes while yes. implementing event source systems. Yes. And they, when you make them, are kind of painful. Yeah. Um, like, you can get kind of far before you realize you made a mistake. Yeah, and, and it can be hard to get out of it. It can be a little hard to get yeah. out of it. Um, and so, as much as possible, like, just putting some guard... Obviously, like, all guardrails should be jumpable. Yep. But, like putting some guardrails in place that uh, encourage users to do the things that we know are best for them. Right, right. Yeah, the, the, ha, we, we've learned some, some hard lessons and like let's try to make it harder for other people to learn those lessons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that comes to the next bullet point is great conventions, right? So easy to understand conventions with great escape patches. Yes. And that second piece is really important, right? We want to make the the canonical way to do something really nice. Yes. But then if you want to do it differently, and I think that this is, this is something that I love about Laravel 
in general, like every time I've had to like do Optional something magic. that's not quite the way that Laravel wants it to go, there's there's something there. There's like an empty function yeah. that's just waiting for me to implement or there's like, you know, just another way to do it that allows you to do it two different different times even though the main API like is only wanting you to do it once or what you know whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that that uh we want the final API to feel like that. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So we um you know, I, th I think one of the principles that we've kind of talked about is like optional magic, right? Yep. Like there's lots of places where it's like, yo, this is going to be really awesome and like really cool. And I think a lot of people would say this is like too magical or uh, this is non-obvious or wh whatever, you know? And like all of those things, like I know I want them. Right. But they all need to be optional. Right. Right. And so like you can actually do a very verbose, lots of different files, um, event sourcing implementation using verbs, but you also can do what we're sort of proposing, right. which is like a one file, like yeah, very cool, lightweight implementation. Yeah, theoretically, you would be able to do something very similar to the other major like PHP event sourcing packages that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's your, if that's your thing, right. Uh, or if there are, if there are certain features where the trade-offs are worth it, right. You yep. can implement those using the more like verbose multiple files, uh, aggregates and projectors and all that. Like you can still do all that stuff if it makes sense, but for the vast majority of features where you don't need it, like you don't have to, right. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I kind of think about this as you remember when like adam made zttp uh, i i don't but i i which eventually became the, like the http yeah. adapter in laravel i remember you talking about this and, like look i get into lots of code bases that still have guzzle installed and still like use guzzle sure heavily and like guzzle does give you like a lot of granular control that is like guzzle's an old package where every possible permutation of how to implement like touch HTTP has been dealt with right right um i'm sure there's stuff missing from the laravel http implementation right right but like uh i have not written code that needed guzzle over the laravel http thing in the last however long it's been since that came out right um and that's kind of how i think about it is like i want something that feels like laravel http not something that feels like Guzzle 7 or whatever the hell yes. we're on now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that gets, so that gets to the, to the second to last bullet point, which is doesn't suck to use. <laughs> Does not suck to use. It feels like it belongs in the Laravel ecosystem. Yes. And uh, maybe that's a little bit of a spicy way to say it, but like, um, or, you know, I, I'm, I, I think that I am just like aware of, I'm, I'm really grateful for the Spotsy package and it has been really good to us. Mm -hmm. So same. I, I've written hundreds of hours of code. In <laughs> right. It. Yeah. I, I, if not thousands, I think I want to just put a disclaimer out there that like, despite me wanting something different, uh, this is not meant to be like, uh, shitting on the Spotsy package. For right? sure. Not like we, I came by my desires honestly, you know, right. like 
I put in hundreds right. or thousands, I'm not sure, of hours of writing event source code against the Spotsy package, and like it went great 90% yeah. of the time. Um, yeah, that package has been incredible for us. It's very well. solid. Yeah. Like it does not usually fail in unexpected ways. Like it's pretty chill. Yeah. Um, I just, there's just like, I know, know what I want. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, and the last, the last thing kind of ties into that is like, this is an opinionated project, right? Yes. Like this Extremely. is not meant to be like, oh, you can approach things, even though we want to give you the escape hatches so that you can do things that are like outside of the norm. Like we're not going to be entertaining the like here's a different way that someone might want to do this that doesn't like fit in with the opinions of this project. Like, okay, that's fine if that's what you want, but like this is probably not for you then, right? Yeah, and if you, to do that, like you could do it, but to do it, you'd be re-implementing huge chunks of the package. Right. And like swapping out right. classes or interfaces. Right, yeah. Okay, so those are the those are the core principles. I mean, I think that like adding to the top, just like great, DX. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to put that there because I do think that that's like fundamentally a really big thing. Yes. Um, so uh, moving on, like the next, this next bit, the like life cycle, I don't know if we just want to get into it. I, you know, for the 12 I think cycle, listeners. I think that is like a little deep. <laughs> yeah. For now, I kind of want to start at a higher level. What are we doing this weekend. I don't think starting with life cycles, what we should do this weekend. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think for me, like, what do you think the first code we should write is? I think that we need to figure out transactions. I think that we need to really nail because, so this is a big, this is like the big question mark for me is the way we want to approach um, events being like committed to the event store, the database is through a transactional model like database transactions, right? So the idea is instead of having to specifically commit events to the database or have like each event auto commit to the database when you fire it, um, we want events to go into a queue that is then committed in one like batch operation at the end of the request. Like mm -hmm. if you're if you're triggering events inside of like a HTTP request, and this is like the happiest of all paths. Yes, yeah. Obviously, there are like lots of edge cases, but the vast majority of the code that we care about is like a request comes in, you do some work, and you send a response back. Right. And so then like when we say commit, happen. when we say commit, we mean like uh, so like in the Spassy package, it would be persist, right? But basically, what we're what we're saying is like okay, I want this event to now be stored in the database and for any uh, effects that are caused by this event uh, to trigger, any permanent effects right. that right. are caused by this thing to trigger. Right. The, this, any side effects that happen need to happen after you know that the event has been persisted because yeah. you, like, the, la the worst possible scenario is like an event fires something happens and then the event fails to get persisted and then something in the future yeah, and then reacts have, to that like side, side effects effect. that happened yeah. for an event that never happened. Right, right. Yeah. So like there needs to be this like guarantee that the event has been persisted before you do any like basically permanent effects from mm -hmm. that. But at the same time, 
Um, we also want it to be efficient. So if you've ever played like a turn-based strategy game, right? Right. Sometimes you'll have like a couple of moves that you can make and then you like lock in your turn. Or like sure. if you've ever yeah, played yeah, like yeah. D&D, yeah, yeah. right? Like you can do like, okay, I'm going to make a movement and an action or what, whatever, right? And so you like do your things and then you lock in your turn, right? right? And then those things right. play out in order, right. right? That's essentially what we're talking about. So we're like, you can build up a queue of events, right? And then like lock them in. And, and then they take effect in that order. And to the degree that's possible, we want any like sort of memory or context or aggregate specific state to be impacted immediately in memory. Yep. So that like so you, that you can make more future decisions based on it. Inside of your request, you can kind of pretend like it has persisted already. Mm-hmm. But also know that, like, if something breaks, you're still okay. Right. Right. And I think that's the biggest challenge is, like, figuring out how do we, how do we, like, get this queue right, make sure that we get the, like, auto persist, uh, like, auto commit to happen at a point in time that's, like, after your application code runs, but before the request has been respond, re- responded with, so that, like, if something fails, the user doesn't get like a successful response, but then like an exception happens. Mm-hmm. And um, how do we allow for like rollback if something happens? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've already basically like I have a lot of detailed notes on this. Like, yeah, this is the one solved, or this is the one sort of unimplemented major thing. Right, is like the event queue. Yeah, right, like. We have, like, you can fire an event and project it, and it'll get caught. And we have, like, events that fire once and events that fire, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I think we're probably going to re-implement a lot of stuff ground up. Yeah, for while sure. While we're here. Um, but this is, from a design perspective, like, the major thing that's unknown. And I do think it is, like, a big wrapper around a lot of other things. Right. Conceptually. Right. Um, there are, I think, some traps that can... I want to be careful not to get caught in conceptual traps too early. Okay. Right? So I want to get... I want to, like, when we get this paper on the wall and start drawing, right? Like, I want to design the whole thing. Okay. And I'm more than happy to leave things and say, this is a black box that we'll solve later. This is a black box that we'll solve later. Um, And there's something that you seem to think is highest priority or very high priority that I'm actually, like, not that concerned about. Which is like, if some events get queued, like get added to like a Laravel queue, like a job queue, mm-hmm. and others don't in a yes. given transaction, I am way comfortable saying like, either you're queuing events or you're not. You can't mix and match. I guess. I mean, I, maybe I'm okay with that, but I, I do think that we need to account for events being queued or uh, events or projections being queued or yeah, projections being synchronous. And I, I think that, like, especially if projections are going to be queued, like, that layer of, like, separation between when the event, when you're, like, the code that triggered the event happened Mm -hmm. and when the queued projection happens, like making sure that we don't run into like race conditions, making sure your event world stuff should never be using the projected data anyway. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, 
The only time it's a problem is if it's aggregate data that has a race condition. Right. Right. And the only time that's a problem is if some of the events are getting queued and others are happening in real time. Well, yeah. And it, I think even if, um, I don't think that like updating the aggregate state should ever be queued. I think that side effects, like, so this is, this is a tricky thing is like, we're talking about new words, but we're also using the old words. Right, I'm going to just right. keep on using the old words for right now. But like, I think that projections should be queuable or not queuable, depending on like what the, the urgency of that work is. But I think that updating the aggregate state should always be um, synchronous. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So, can you can you find a race condition? Well, it, so in that world, you probably don't. The only race condition that I'm worried about, really, is making sure that the because we have this like event queue, right? That's going to commit at the end of the request. We need to make sure that like the the events get committed before any projections get queued, right? Because we don't want projections to get queued and then the events to end up getting rolled back. And now you've got queued projections okay. that are dealing with state that like didn't actually end up getting persisted. And I don't think that's a huge deal. I just think that there's like yeah. making sure that we I get think I'm, the I'm gonna need you timeline. Walk, walk me through it better with drawings later. Okay, that's but fine. yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, so there's that. So the big chunks of the app, or do you have something for the big chunks of the app already written down? Uh, in terms of the component components, yes. I mean, yeah. So we've got the transaction manager. We talked about that, right? This is like handling the queue of events, committing events, um, rolling back events. Um, and, and that's pretty much it, right? So the transaction yes. manager has to talk to the event store, yes, right? Or so the, the event, event repository, store, whatever right. you want to call it. We're calling it store. So the event store the repository in my, in my uh, thing. is, is what writes the events to persistence, whatever that yep. is, which will in, in V1 is likely to only be the database. Yes. But like, could be Kafka. Yep. Could be a spreadsheet. I don't give a shit. DynamoDB. Yeah. It probably will be something that we look into at some point. Um, and the note that I have here is I would like to think of the event store as writes are batched by default, right? There's no single event, right? You could send a batch of one event, mm -hmm. but that like the event store is consider is thinking in multiples of events, uh, from the beginning. And like, if there's an implementation that can't do batching, we just loop over a batch and do each write individually. Um, so uh, I think that's fine. I do just want to, uh, I don't want to solve this now on the podcast, but I do want to figure out what happens if like an exception gets thrown in a projector or something. Right. Well, but with the event store, that should happen before any projection happens anyway. Right? The events will get well, that's the persisted. Question. That's the question, right? If uh, if there's 10 events in a row that happen, yep. and projecting event number four throws an exception. Oh, right, right. So yeah, that's, yeah. That's, the stuff, that's the stuff I'm trying yeah. to figure out. So uh, that's a good question, about, especially thinking about batching. Right. Um, so I'm cool to say, like, I'm, I like minimizing database queries. I like, you know, single in, like, 
multi-insert stuff. But if an exception gets thrown, then we won't be able to insert the things that have already happened afterwards. My gut says that if a projector throws an exception, that should have no impact on the event system. That if, if the aggregate throws an exception, that will halt the event I chain. I think that's correct, right? Because... I, I think so. And it, th- so I, th- I feel this kind of intuitively, and you tell me if I'm crazy, but like, I'm pretty sure a projector should not depend on other projected... Uh, yeah, I don't think so. So like, there's no reason like the, the projector for event number five should care about the stuff that was projected by event number four, right? Yeah, I think that at the point, if you, if you queued up 10 events, right? At the point that those 10 events were ready to be committed to the store, I think that all the logic that could potentially throw an exception will, need, will have already happened. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of things that can throw exceptions. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean... Like, maybe you have a non-fillable field or something, you know, like... what. No, but what I'm saying, all the all the logic that impacts those ten events, right, or impacts the aggregate state, anything that should stop future events from happening, yeah, that will already happen. And if there is a failure in one of your projectors, that should just be a problem with that specific event and, and then projection. Like, this is the promise of event sourcing: is that you can just like fix the Go thing fix that the threw code. the exception and yep. then rerun those events yep. and get the historical data correctly. Yep, exactly. Um, okay, so then. So the transaction manager is going to talk is going to have to talk with the event store a lot, right? Because the transaction yeah. manager is basically responsible for deciding when to send things to the store. The rest of the system is mostly going to talk about talk to the transaction manager around getting events queued or rolling events back or all, all that stuff. The next thing, and this is a word that we haven't landed on. Uh, so in traditional event sourcing, you've got the aggregate route, right, which is the easiest way to describe is I like, have landed on this word. Think okay, well we d- maybe disagree. But the aggregate root is like when you have an aggregate function in your database, like you know, sum or when you min are when you max. are taking a bunch of events that have happened and aggregating yep. some state from them. Yep, you're aggregating a bunch of events into a single it's like a reducer basically. Yeah, into a st- state. State or context are the two words that we have been talking about. Yeah. I I still like context. I like context because um, it implies that it is like context to me feels like a subset of state, right? It's a slightly more. It speci- does not feel like that to me. Okay, I would describe context as state that is meant to be used in the context of future events. Oh, I don't think of it. Okay. So I think of context, and this is might be from like React. Yeah. That I'm gathering this. But like I think of context as state that is provided distantly from where it is originated. Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting. Right? So I think of it as like like uh you might have like some sort of central context manager, right? And then uh, so this is why I originally was interested in context, right? It's like you might have some sort of central context manager or a context provider is what it would be called in React, right? And then you would uh, consume that context in lots of different places right? to 
So it's sort of like a hive mind state. Yeah, but that's the thing is like context or like the aggregate root, the data on your aggregate root is used across all the all the events that are fired on that aggregate, right? And that's why I think I still think it's like it's more like context. It's not like state feels it's it's like this is data, this is contextual data that all events in this like realm of the system need to so know So here's about. my big argument against context. Okay. Is it is a word that has been beaten to death and no one likes it. <laughs> sure. Um <laughs> so it I mean it has like .net implications. It has sure. like Sure. It's just a word that has been in programming for so long and has meant different things and there's so many cases where it's like you're just passing CTX into some function for right. seemingly no reason. You know, it just feels context to me feels bad. Okay. Um, state is like everyone understands what a state is. It's like, oh, there's going to be a couple of properties and they can get updated at various times. There's probably going to be a couple of affordances for updating them. Intelligently. Yeah. I you know? mean, I can live with state. I mean, I just it, think it's simpler and it's a little less smelling your own farts. It it you does mean that we're gonna have to have an object called the state store, which I hate, but I can uh, live with it. State store, because you have your event store, uh-huh. right? You also need a state store. Sure. Um, because um, I would just call it like a snapshot store or something. Uh, sure, maybe that's fine. But you're storing snapshots of state. Yeah, you're you're storing snapshots of state, and I think one of the key things that um. I feel pretty good about I'm not like entirely married to because I can like imagine places where maybe it'll get gnarly and we decide it's not worth it. But my belief is that states should a be singleton within the application context, like within a single um, request memory instance of your application there should only be one instance of a given state i agree and unless you for some reason explicitly nuke it and start over sure but i don't think that the i don't think that user land code should be doing that i think we should make it possible but not not easy i i wouldn't do it right (laughs) um so i think that that states should be singleton in nature and i think that uh Snatch state should always be snapshotted. I think that, or snapshotted, snapshotted by, default, by default, right? That obviously you should be able to turn that off, but that, um, yeah, that state, that state is just snapshotted and that we do that, uh, probably through the transaction manager as well. So that like at the end, at we the do end of the transaction, you commit the events, you snapshot the state once, you know, that means that you have basically two rights, Ideally, yeah, one right for all the events, one right for all the states. Yep, exactly. Um, okay, uh, so then the, the next piece is the event dispatcher, right? So this is like the thing that's responsible for registering li- event listeners, firing event listeners, firing, passing events on to the appropriate listeners at the appropriate times. Yeah, I'm I almost want to call it the event router, okay. Because it routes events to the appropriate places. Sure. It's kind of like a crossing guard type of yeah. character. Um, anyway, I'm I'm a little ambivalent about the name at this point. But sure. It, this is the thing that basically says, like, 
an event comes to me, I know where it goes. Right. So I know which... Uh, where events should be dispatched. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know where to route events. So, <laughs> <yes>. Okay. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I mean... I'm in favor of calling it the event dispatcher just because that's a very known entity. Cool. Well, if you give me state, I'll give you event dispatcher. <laughs> all right. Um, Tentatively, I'm okay with that. All right. Very good. This is great doing business with you. Um, and the last one, right now we're calling it the event broker. Uh-huh. There is maybe an argument to call it the event bus, mm-hmm. but I personally so can't this is describe the difference between an, an event dispatcher and an event bus, even though I know they're different. What does what does the event broker do in your mind at so, this point? Because last time we discussed the event broker, the transaction manager didn't exist. The event, I thought we had renamed the event broker to the transaction manager. No. So in my mind, right, conceptually, events need to flow through a handful of different systems and land and land in the right places at the right times. Right. So there's there's like the moment in time that event that the event is fired. Mm-hmm. Right. And from that moment, you need to do some validation. Right. You need to um, potentially like fetch the right context to the, the right state um, to to work with the event. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you need to know like where the event needs to be dispatched, like what what listeners are listening for that event, what projections need to be fired, like all these different things are going to happen. Is that not the event dispatcher? Well, y- yes, but but basically, there's kind of I think there's a need for this like broker object that is just re- responsible for saying, okay, first I'm going to pass the event over to the guard. Oh, which is not a thing yet, but to the guard that like checks to see whether the event is allowed to be fired right oh man you have t- you have taken one thing and made it so many things um and even before that first i need to load up the correct state for this event if it hasn't been provided right because another idea that we have here is um it should be possible for events to basically implicitly load their state if mm-hmm. that's possible right so Okay. Somehow, you need to load the state for the event. Can I tell you what I think the architecture is? Because I think it's way simpler. Okay. And then you tell me why these added classes are necessary. Okay. Um, so I think there is a class that deals with many events. Okay. Like uh, these are like, I don't know, that keeps queued events in a queue mm-hmm. and like deals with like which events have happened and have not happened yet. Right. Okay. And is aware of events as like a, more than one event thing, mm-hmm. which I would call the transaction manager or the bus or okay. something like that, right? Um, and it needs to be able to roll them back and commit them and do all this stuff, right? Yep. Then there's a class that deals with a single event mm-hmm. when it happens, right? Okay. Um, and that is the thing that needs to route it to... Uh, apply it to aggregates or states rather to apply it to states to project it to send it off to the event store to get stored you know whatever Mm -hmm. so to me it's like there's a class that deals with events as a group Mm -hmm. and there's a class that deals with 
events individually, mm-hmm. why are there four classes? Uh, because bef- so, like, I think all of the guards and validations and stuff can happen on the event router. They just if the, if it's not valid, then you don't route it there. Well, I think that to, to my mind, there's there's um. Both of those are true, but I feel like those two pieces should only, like an event should only make it into the transaction manager, into the queue, once it's been like validated. There needs to be a thing that decides, hey, is this event legal to fire? Uh, And it has to go into the queue before it can go to the dispatcher because um, we can't start dispatching the event until we know that the event's been persisted, right? So in my mind, you've got the event queue, the transaction manager, whatever, that holds all the events and then uh, commits them. Sorry, I don't know what you mean by dispatch here. The dispatch is kind of a vague word. You say we can't start dispatching the well, event. Well, we can't like pass the event on to projectors. Right, okay, projecting. Right? We can't start projecting the event. We can't start projecting the event, yeah. Um, we, and we can't start, like, I'm thinking, I think the event dispatcher is responsible for passing the event to what would be traditionally called like projectors and reactors, dispatching the event once it's been persisted into the system. And I think that the event broker in my mind is responsible for dealing with the event during the period of time when we don't know if it's legal to fire it yet right yes so i i think of it basically as like one thing that has two cues where it's Uh like these are the unpersisted events or sorry these are the like un unknown like these are the things that are like only in memory right safe right right and then these are the ones that are like real world safe but even the ones that are only in memory i mean if there's a way to just use two transaction cues I'm all like if there's if there's basically like transaction queue dispatcher transaction queue dispatcher and it's like the transaction the first transaction queue dispatches to aggregates and then the second transaction queue dispatches to projections mm-hmm. like is that kind of what you're picturing basically although I'm kind of I'm not thinking of multiple instances of the transaction queue yeah right it may be just one object yeah but I if, think there's a singleton transaction queue that just has two public properties that are arrays of events. Right. If if it's possible to implement it that way, obviously simplifying the system is great. Yeah. I think that when we actually sit down and start looking at the code again, um, you'll see why we need this broker. Okay. Um, because I think... You know, like, let's, let's use a real-world example, right? There's, you know, for us, there's the exam system, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, when you have a, you know, user-answered question event, right? Mm-hmm. Before we can fire the user-answered question event, mm-hmm. we need to see, like, is it a valid exam? Are they past the time limit? Like, are they, like, are, you know, we have to guard uh, against the aggregate state, right? Yes. So at some point, we need to load the aggregate route for the exam session. Yes. We have to look at properties on the aggregate route. Yes. And we need to say, are we allowed to fire this event? All that needs to happen before the event is even fired, 
right? Mm-hmm. But the event has been instantiated. It just hasn't been fired yet. Like the uh, the event object has been created, but like we're deciding at that moment in time whether to pass it on to the rest of the system or like throw an exception or something. Yep. Right? Um the work of and then before that event once the event is passes that like guard phase um it needs to be applied to the aggregate root before anything else happens right so all of that like orchestrating the event through the aggregate state kind of happens before the event is even eligible for persistence or projection yep and so in my mind, having a separate object that's responsible for that like phase of the event lifecycle mm-hmm. just makes life a way simpler yeah, rather than I, trying I just to kind of, reuse. I kind of thought of it more as like an object that guides an event through its phases. Uh-huh. Rather than like one object per phase, I thought of more of like a, a event shepherd. That like shepherds it through the phases. Well, I so I I think of the broker as that. That the broker basically guides the event through those early phases, mm-hmm. passes it on to the transaction Do we manager. We need a queue of events going to aggregates. No, I think that should all happen syn- synchronously. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That's why that's why I wasn't thinking about it as like the transaction manager being sure, part sure. of that. Yeah, I think all of that happens synchronously before the event ever touches the transaction manager. And then the broker is basically responsible for... See, I kind of think of this as like validation. I -hmm. think of basically all of this stuff as like validation before the transaction manager. Yeah, yeah. That's what the... That's mostly... The broker is just for loading loading state and validating state. Right, but I just kind of think like what you would do is you would just pass it to the transaction manager and the transaction manager would be like, is this valid? Before I store it, is it valid? Yeah, you know sure. If we like, wanted to just use one file, I just think, to, in my mind, splitting that into two objects it, it just feels like a form request to me. Keeps Whereas it, I'm cool to put my validation in my controller method. Right. <laughs> I, I think that object is going to get big enough that it I needs believe, its own yeah, space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see it. I, yeah. I get it. I get it. So, yeah, the okay. one thing that I don't have on here is the, uh, like, uh, right now I have, like, this concept of a guard implemented, right? Mm-hmm. And all that, all that is, is just like it's a, validate a custom place to handle all the little validation logic that we have. Yep. Um, and like to step back, because I feel like. So I do think there's like, sorry. No, go, go ahead. I think the one thing that I think needs to get written is like a, some like handler detection code. Because mm-hmm. yes. like we have lots of types of handlers. Mm-hmm. So we have validation handlers, we have apply handlers, and then we have like actual event handlers. Yeah. Right? And those can be on the event itself. They can be off on states. Like theoretically, they can be in like uh, freestanding handler anonymous classes, like yeah. whatever. And so I think there is like given all of these places that you might want to look for handlers and this event instance, go find all the methods that handle this event in this state. Yeah. Yeah. Right now. So we have the event guard and we do have that, the reflector. 
which we're right but that was mostly that. just looking for like projectors yeah now it's like we need to find the validate methods we need to find the apply methods we need to find and we need to find only the validate methods when we're looking for validate methods we need to find only the apply methods when we're looking for apply methods yeah so all that stuff like yeah i think of that more as just like utility code though right there's going to be other like support stuff yeah i'm just so but that's the, a big one spotsy has this package called better types which has a bunch of code in it for like figuring out what sorts of like it can you can say like give me all the methods that accept this thing as a parameter or whatever and it's got problems and it causes problems sometimes and whatever but um it's a pretty beefy package Mm -hmm. uh and that's because there is like a lot of stuff going on there like and so like there are like lots of i think there's actually like a lot of hidden complexity in like sure this so i would want to i want to nail that system sure yeah yeah that's that's fair um yeah and and i i definitely get that there is a lot of complexity there uh, that it, i feel like that's one of those ones where you think that's a it's a big thing and i'm like yeah i also we'll just well, implement it it's fine. i also like i don't know how have you done any like performance benchmarking on reflection I haven't. I mean, it doesn't it feel like it would be slow. Does it feel? It feels like it should be. It slow. feels like it should be slow. But like, if you think about like PHP attributes, the only interface to work with attributes is reflection, right? So how if if it must be must be fine. But have, yeah, and like Laravel uses me, reflection all over. Right, the place. right. But to me, it, it does kind of feel like I should treat them as something that we should optimize to do it as few times as possible. Yes, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And so these are kind of the things where I'm like, that's where I'm starting to see complexity. But maybe it's yeah. like so fast that it doesn't even matter. I have a feeling this. So this is how I approach the reflector, like the reflector implementation right now is like, essentially, uh, we're just gonna do it. And if it's a problem, we we'll can like add a cache. Okay. Because yeah. like I feel like in most production systems, you know, it just like um like we don't use event discovery in Laravel, but like I know Taylor recently talked about like event discovery is turned off by default because like it's slow if you don't run like PHPRs in events discover or whatever the mm-hmm. the command is. If you don't cache them. Um, if you don't cache them, right? But like. In a hundred percent of production applications, caching them is just fine, right? Yeah. Like, and you know, if you use like a continuous delivery, some sort of automation, then you never have to think about it. You just add that command to your deploy script, right, 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 right. and it just works, right? Okay, cool. And yep. I imagine that we can solve no this concerned. with that. I'm no longer concerned. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, I think that those. I think that those are the main pieces yep and it's just like yeah okay questions so, about the broker whether it's necessary i'm fine with here's figuring that here's out. the call i want to make right now okay do we just say start from scratch i think we start from scratch i think so too i think we'll look at the code base yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. as needed yeah but like we have a code base that's like mostly a it, functional it package <laughs> um but like i think we start from scratch and uh, I, I think I already sold you on this, but basically, like, I think we do everything as explicitly as possible at mm-hmm. first, which may mean not 
very modular or hot swappable or sure. extensible. Sure. And then like at the end, we go through and we say like, all right, let's like pop everything out into interfaces and like make it extensible sure. at the end. Because uh, I just want to limit the number of places we have to make changes. Yeah, no, I'm good with that. I think I think that, you know, my only, we talked about this a little bit, but my only pushback there is I, I do want to be thinking. Yeah, there are going to be things that are obviously. Yeah. Or like there's going to be places where like the functionality is dependent on. Right. Right. The architecture. Right. And obviously, like in those places, we do the thing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just don't want to like, I don't want to pre- architect yeah. the extensibility points yeah. before we have built the code. Yeah, the, it'll be API, interesting. API first design. <laughs> um, okay. Do you want to talk like publicly here a little bit about like how we want verbs to work? Because like we've talked a lot about how we want to build it. All these pieces, but like there are a few key design decisions that like have informed these. And maybe we leave that for later or like it might be useful for us to just like sort of codify like what is good about this API. Yes. So right? yeah. So these are where like the opinionated API design things yeah. come in. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, the, the biggest one is like you should be able to add a new like if if you want to add like a user registered i don't know that's terrible but like you know it, it, we want to add like a user skipped question event sure. to the exam system right i want to be able to just create a single file called user skipped question mm -hmm. and i want to be able to implement the entire feature in that file that's like yes number one bingo that's bango, my bongo. big thing right and so what that means is that event is going to have the capacity to self-project. It's yes. going to ha have the capacity to apply itself to the aggregate state, to the state. Yes. Right? It's going to have the capacity to validate whether it can be fired yes. given the existing state. Yes. It's going to have the capacity to trigger side effects that should only happen when it's originated, not when it's replayed. Yes. Um, or vice versa. It should be able to say, do this thing the first time I fire, but not any other times. Do this thing only when I'm replayed, but not the first time, right? Yes. And all of that should be possible to do inside the single event while still respecting those boundaries that we've talked about, and right? Yeah, so to me, for 98% of events that I write, that is going to be a single class with some properties and like one or two methods. Right. An apply and a project, and a project or whatever. Right. Yeah. And some of them not even a project. Yep. Or and some of them not even an apply. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, that's interesting. I tend to not project more than I don't apply. Uh-huh. Um, there's some things where it's like, this just needs to touch the aggregate. It doesn't actually matter anywhere. Right. Um, right. But anyway... Uh, but yeah, so like single file, everything, yep. which means, and like, you know, traditionally it's been like, you put your projectors in a projector file, you put your aggregate roots in an aggregate file, which is where you define your apply methods and your validate methods. Yeah. Um, 
You also have these separate files called reactors, which are basically projectors, but they only happen once. Um, you know, all of that stuff, like there's a lot of places. So like an event and then the event itself is a class, right? Yeah. So then you would have like an event. So to implement a feature, you would say like, here's my event. Then here are my changes to the aggregate root to you, make. You to would typically do two, add two methods to the aggregate root. Right. Create the two event. methods to the aggregate root, maybe some properties to the aggregate root. Um, then you would add a method to a projector and potentially a method to a reactor. Right. And for some events, you would add multiple methods to multiple projectors or right. whatever. Right. Um, so that... And I will. I also think like the reality is that like at least for the applications that we worked on, ninety eight percent of the time it's exactly that and no more, no less, mm -hmm. right? Every once in a while, you add an, uh, a listener to two projectors, yep, right? But in the vast majority of time, you yeah, add exactly one, one listener, listener to one projector. To one projector. You add one apply method to your aggregate root, uh -huh. one fire method to your aggregate root, and create one event, right? It's like, like four it, changes every time for every new thing. And the same name, too. It sucks. So yes. it's like you fire a user profile updated event, and so then you add a uh, on user profile updated handler to the user profile projector, mm -hmm. and then you add a update user profile method to the user profile aggregate. Yeah. And then you add a on user profile updated apply or apply user profile updated handler to the aggregate. And then maybe you also send like an email when that happens. So then you also add an on user profile updated to the user profile reactor. Yeah. So you have like five files called user profile whatever. And then you have a bunch of methods called on user profile updated, apply user profile updated. And then the event itself is called user profile updated. It just feels a little... Ugh, yeah, you know? and, and so in this vision of event sourcing, the alternative is we add one file called user profile updated, mm -hmm. right? It has a constructor that accepts the properties of the event, right? And then it has an apply method that accepts the user profile state mm -hmm. and updates the state with whatever data is necessary for future events to, to like whatever your future events are going to need to check on that state. Like it'll apply that to the state mm -hmm. and then it'll have a projector. We, we have, we have a better name for it, but I'm blanking out. Listener. Oh, just listen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that will project data to wherever you want. So in this case you would do like a, you know, user where aggregate UUID or where Snowflake will probably be using Snowflakes here. So like user where event ID or whatever equals. Oh, so interesting. Update. Interesting thing about Snowflakes. Yeah. I kind of want to re... I just want to sanity check Snowflakes. Okay. Because I didn't know about ULIDs in Laravel before. Oh, okay. And now I do know that ULIDs are, have like first party support in Laravel. And... Snowflakes are better. I know they're better, but maybe like, they're not UL better IDs enough. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So that's my. That's the only like open question is like, should sure. we use ULIDs instead of Snowflakes? Yeah. I put a pin in it. I don't want to solve it right now. Sure. But it's a thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and it should be. You should be able to do either. You should be able to do either. Yeah. Whatever you want to use is fine. Um. Okay. That is that. But yeah, I think generally speaking. Oh, and also like obviously. You and I both want to write single file everything. Yep. Um, obviously, you can still do all of that 
craziness that we were talking about. So do you want to have projector files and, you know, you want to have your separate aggregate files with their own validate and apply methods? Like, well, and, and you in, can do all that in this case. Like I can totally see wanting to do that for like the secondary use case, right? Yeah. So, so for like, I have a separate listener that is more side effecty. Or, or like you're aggregating stats. I think yeah, that's a perfect yeah. example. Like I may have yeah, like, like you a have an analytics, yeah, user thing. analytics projector, right? Yeah. That like listens to user profile updates and ticks up some count somewhere. Yeah, but you don't want to you don't want to have all the stuff right there on the user profile update about its analytics. Right. You want that to be more passively off in its own file. Right. And if you think about like quote unquote separation of concerns. Yes. Right. This is like. This, this is, is actual separation of concerns. actual separation of concerns, which is like <laughs> your concern isn't updating the user profile. Your concern is keeping track of things that happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah. As opposed to, so like you should have one file about updating the user profile. And you should have another file about keeping track of yeah. shit that happened. Or like notifying the user that things happened. Yeah. Or like, uh, you know, sending security alerts when something happened. Or, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So that's it's a hundred percent. I think both of us will definitely register projectors for sure. We will definitely have situations. I can totally see having situations where you want like the more traditional aggregate route because that API just feels better for the system that you're doing. Yeah. Right. Where it's easier to load up the aggregate route and fire the event from the aggregate than fire each event each event individually. So I actually kind of want to like re harp on separation of concerns yeah because like this is i love this this is the stuff that really made us want to make this package it was like so separation concerns if any of you guys like aren't familiar with solid architecture like um the separation concerns is this whole concept that uh gets abused to hell by dutch people um (laughs) and they uh they love to yell at you about like whatever but their their idea the idea of the of the bad people is that separation of concerns is like oh well like this thing is sends email like that like sending email is a concern or or even worse that like uh you know sending email through a specific technical implementation is a concern right right? they think about concerns so much more from a technical perspective than from a feature perspective yeah whereas i think of concerns much more from a but what does it do like what ticket am i closing in linear right that is the concern to me you know um and so i i generally tend to group um to group code by behavior right um or to but well by by feature you know by what what does it do yeah i think action Right. It's tricky because, I mean, I feel like that's my main I, – I, I think that if there was like – if I could wave a wand and change one thing about Laravel, it would be like the default folder structure of controllers go in like HTTP controllers mm-hmm. and form requests go in HTTP form requests and jobs go in like, you know. Yeah, and then tests I, go in tests and migrations go in migra- yeah, database I, slash migrations. Yeah. I want like – the user request and the user controller and like the user resource or whatever things that you have 
those should all be as like physically close to each other in your file system tree as possible. Because yes, because like you're working on them working all at the with. same time. Yeah, right. It's it's a it's a uh, means and plus. Right. You know. Right. Like you, what you want to do is chop your onions, chop your you know your peppers, chop your celery. Right. Yep. Prepare them. You want to get your oil out. You want to get your pan out. You want to heat the pan. Right. Then you mix up your holy trinity. Now you're making a nice gumbo, you know? Yeah. But uh, the issue, right, is that some of us, some of us are, uh, are like, well, no, you see uh, onions and uh, onions and peppers well, both come from the ground. So these are ground <laughs> concerned no, 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 no. It's more like those are in pint containers. So that yeah. goes in the pint containers section. And those are quart containers. So those go in the quart container section. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I actually have a separate kitchen for for all my quart container items. And I mean, you know, I can hear I can hear people saying, "Well, like, you should just use your keyboard for everything. Why are you? Why do you have the file system tree open?" And like, of course, it's not about the file system tree. Yeah, well, but a lot of times when you're coming back to old code or you're looking at code that you're not familiar with, the first thing you do is open up the file system tree and look at the files because you well, don't also, know like, what they're named yet. Also, like know? for code review, like when you're looking at like a pull request, right? And all of the changes happened inside like the permits module, right? You're like, all right, there's a very small chance that this had unintended side effects outside of this particular right. feature. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I so, mean, that uh, is cool. Go check out International Modular International if you haven't using it. Yeah. Bro, we did a lot of good projects at Modular or at Internashi. Yes, like Modular was one of them. Modular like, is we went, the that best. Was, that was the best. <laughs> thing. Um, all right. So, so I think the next thing. Okay, wait, wait. I have so I have a couple just like little bullet points. Let's just talk about them real quick. Okay. Before we stop. Uh, so one one bullet point I have is like testing. I think that we should pretty early on have a good sense of like what the testing story for verbs looks like and have yes. like really good test you affordances. You mean like the user, fo- the user facing test story? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, um, so here is, can I soapbox? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, go so down. my whole examples thing. Yes. Um, okay, so I started working on this thing that was basically like, look, let's have examples. So modular has this like, already existing architecture, which is like, hey, we're basically going to duplicate the app folder of a Laravel app um, in modules. So like you have your controllers directory and your, you know, or you have your HTTP controllers and you have like your routes and all this stuff like on like a domain by domain basis kind of, right? so the uh, the idea with examples is we basically do something, something very similar to modular where you have an examples folder that has like a source directory and a tests directory, right? Yeah. And its own readme. Yeah. Um, and then the tests direct. So the source directory, you can register models, you can register events and states and yep. all this stuff. Controllers, if you want to test the API, like yep. whatever. And then you register... Uh, you can write tests that, so basically the idea is like, we'll spin up that source directory in a Laravel app. Yep. Have um, you seen, have you seen workbench? Or, work, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone keeps sending it to me cause I talked about it, this on a podcast, but nice. 
the idea. I haven't actually like. I haven't looked at it yet. Yeah. But something similar to that. Yeah. But I kind of want to do it our way if we have time. Yeah, for sure. Um, but like, the idea that like we you could basically like spin up a small Laravel app and run your tests against it so that you can write domain tests. Yep. Because like the worst part like of our tests for our first implementation was like it was we we're like declaring anonymous classes in the test all bodies the place, yep. and like it's just all this it's stuff gross. where it sucks and it. I really like to read tests as documentation. Yep. And uh, it, you can't really read our tests as documentation. Like I remember I was at Laracon. I was trying to show Keith how it worked. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to walk him through the tests as mm-hmm. like a way to show him. Yeah. But the tests are so crazy that like. Yeah. No, I agree. So like I just like the idea that like we're going to register all of our classes and stuff in ways that look familiar yeah and then we can write tests like we're just testing an application yep and what that means is our testing story will be the same as the user's testing story right i right. mean we'll still write unit tests yeah, for, yeah. Our, for our you know but we'll have to consume the, the tests or whatever yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but like we will consume the user testing story yep so for like sure. the user facing testing yeah. story is our story yeah i like that yeah and i mean i think i think that like um, in the existing test suite, like the cool thing is, right, we've got these like use case tests and we've actually got like a separate, we have the same use case, right? So like the banking use case, for example, mm-hmm. shown, tested both in like the traditional structure mm-hmm. where there is a projector and there is an aggregate and there mm-hmm. is an event and there is, you know, all that stuff. And then the same exact outcomes are tested in the like encapsulated use case Mm -hmm. and i love the idea of being able to show that but show that in like the context of like the structure of a regular app Mm -hmm. i think that's very cool Mm -hmm. yeah i love that okay one thing so i've been talking about this with uh the couple of folks over at internet and i'm um, grabbing my coffee while you keep talking yeah go go town and um one thing that uh I think that one thing that I really love about uh, the Spotsy package is there's kind of like a nice test setup where you can just like quickly set up the world and then uh, perform assertions on like the event system, like kind of given that these three events fired, this is what I expect. And yes, and uh, the thing that kind of sucks about that is sometimes you have to fire 12 test events to get the state into the place that you want it just to test the thing that needs to happen right after that. And so we were talking about this idea of like state factories and like mm-hmm. basically say like, well, given this, this current state. This matters for seeders too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seeding event source data is a pain right. in the ass. I actually, listen, right. we just implemented some seeders for a client of ours and the client called me and you could tell he was kind of disappointed with the cedars that we uh, wrote, uh-huh. which to be fair, like they were more verbose than they needed to be because uh-huh. we hadn't yet written some of the like convenience methods on the model that we're going to wrap up a bunch of the aggregate methods. Uh huh. But like, yeah, you don't want to write a bunch of aggregate code in your cedars. Right. It seems crazy. And, and for like a test, like in a test case, like, you can skip the whole like here's the stuff that happened before that got me to this place as long as like there's a good story for like 
given that the like you know the state snapshot looks like this yeah. ignore any like don't worry about what got us there we can we cannot have that well, just have this state and then trigger events from that state because that's the only thing that I'm testing so pecking order is this game that we made that's event source right yep and uh, through building this game I taught my friends to code right yeah and so there was lots of places where I was like willing to just not do the right thing in order to do the easy for them to implement thing, mm-hmm. right? And one of the things that we did was like in order for to, in order to make it easy for them to write tests always, mm-hmm. uh, I made this affordance called Boot Game uh-huh. that just boots up a game and like assigns like creates this many teams and assigns these players to this team and like does all the like world building. Yeah. Because of that, our test suite is so slow because <laughs> right. every single test runs boot game right basically of right. like 400 tests right. each of them like builds the entire world right you, we could easily with this verb stuff have snapshotted the boot game state and right. just like boom and our test like if we just converted to verbs right now and then like swapped out boot game with like implement a snapshot like our tests would go from being like eight minutes to being like a minute and 40 seconds, right. I feel like. And, and and then imagine if you had basically factory classes for your con- for your state, right? right? So then you can do like... Then you don't even need the boot game method. You could just... Well, whatever. yeah, you... but the, And you also wouldn't need to just like have one... Like you, you could... Instead of having just like one sort of snapshot that you use for a specific like state, mm-hmm. you could say like... You know, give me the game state where, like, they're on round three mm-hmm. and, like, whatever. And, like, each of these fluent methods would progressively build up the state just like a, a factory. Yep. Like, you get your base definition. But, but that then, all happens like, in memory. Uh, yeah. And then we and just, like, insert all the events and, yep. yeah. You just get the snapshot after all of the factory methods have run. And yeah, I that's think awesome. that's very cool. Yep. It's super appealing. Okay, another thing is um, I, I've been looking at Event Sauce because it, that's the uh, package that I'm less familiar with, and I just want to like yep. understand their concepts. And one of the things that they do uh, is called upcasting. Have you looked at that? Uh-uh. So it's it's essentially like schema migration, sort of like you know how Stripe very famously like has an up method for every API version, so like and a down method for every API version, so that like under the hood, I can be on like a 10 year old API and they can migrate the modern response down to whatever state. Interesting. Um, that's how Stripe handles. Like basically you can, you can use any version of the Stripe API and it always works. Um, and I think kind of basically like you could like version your projectors. Uh, yeah, you would version, you would probably version the, the state, Right. And so I was thinking that one thing we might want to consider is just like having state versioning be like built in. Okay. Where like under the hood, there's always like a I version. I'm happy to do this. I'm also happy to do this in three months. It, it could very well be that it's not worth it. But I, I it was something that I well, just no, like wanted I, to I pin. Think I think it's cool. I don't want to do it this weekend. Right. I want what I, I, I want to make sure that it's possible for us to build in the future. Yeah, is, yeah. Like, it will be. Right. And and that brings me to the other the other um, piece, which is message met- metadata. 
right? So like Event Sauce has uh, decorators. The Spotsy package basically just uses Eloquent hooks because it's mm-hmm. it's built on top of Eloquent. Um, but in general, I think we just want to be thinking about it should be possible to essentially like register things at different levels of granularity to like augment event data so that like you could essentially just like install a schema versioning package and suddenly all your events have a version variable attached to them now. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, you you might want to like be able to just like automatically apply like the tenant ID to a multi-tenant application or yeah, something. Yeah, like now that. that we think about it, like I kind of think versioning might be a separate package that is like a plugin. Right. It could very well be that we implement it as a plugin, but I'm just I'm more thinking like as we're considering the architecture i think we want to be we want to make sure that we allow for this idea of like sort of external pieces of code augmenting the data that the events are aggregating so it is wild how like i'm just thinking about like messes people could get themselves into you know (laughs) and like i was like oh like what if you because, like, the problem with making it a separate package is, like, what if they don't know about it? Mm-hmm. And then they try and, like, I don't know. They, they just say they just sort of, like, naively just, like, change the behavior of some stuff. Yeah. But then I was, like, you know, if the, you did get in trouble. Like, I just imagine someone emailing me and saying, like, oh, I got into this trouble. Mm-hmm. Right? And now all my data is messed up. Yeah. You know? But I even if you do get into that trouble, like, as long as you know when you merged that pull request to production, mm-hmm. you can go back, insert version metadata on all the events up until you merge that pull request and insert right. different version metadata on the ones after right. that and replay the events and theoretically right. get back to sane data. Right. Like there is like a world back to sanity. Yeah. Whereas like in lots of other cases, like if you mess up the way that you're inserting data into your database. Right. And don't notice for a couple weeks. That's a big problem. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think there's a part of me that may decide that like this, even if it's not done this week, like this may be something that I like throw in. in, There are some things where I am like, Chris, don't like sprint ahead on this one without me. Yeah. This one, I don't give a shit. Yeah. If you want yeah, to go yeah. implement versioning on your own, I don't care. Because I, I, I think there's a there's a part of me that's just like, if that was just baked in from the very beginning and like just another method that you can add onto your event is like migrate and it just accepts the data and the version. What if, the, I feel like version enums might be an interesting thing, but. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. neither here nor there. Yeah. So. Um, I I think that it it might be cool and it might be cool to have it just like baked in from the very beginning because then like I think I, the the reason that I like that is it's it's a little bit of like a like a comfort like a safety blanket what what's a uh, you know it's just like I know what you're saying security blanket uh huh it it means that like you may feel a little more comfortable adopting it knowing that like hey if I get this wrong. Like there's a built-in first-party uh, path to like changing in the future, right? You know, and I kind of like that. But you know, I, I'm not. It's it's not the first thing that we're gonna touch. Cool, sweet. All right, then this feels like a good place to stop. Yeah, 
We should sit down. We and might end start... up recording another episode or yeah. two. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, this is fun. This is good. Um, and uh, yeah, take a break, and then we'll actually like write code. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Bet. All right. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Cheers.